Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, team, for leading us. Acts chapter 8 is where we will be this morning. Let me mention um, something to you that involves our, uh, our church family. So uh, you all know Coach Graves, uh, Wayne Graves, and uh, Mary Margaret and Sarah and Will. So if you didn't know this, Coach Graves uh, and Mary Margaret have been coming back and forth to Houston to take care of his, uh, his brother Gary, who was uh, undergoing some, some significant uh, treatment out there, and Mr. Gary passed away this week. So the, the funeral uh, today, visitation is at Ellisville Funeral Home from 1 to 3. The funeral is at 3, and then the burial will be in Hebron um, Cemetery after uh, immediately following the funeral. So let's pray for them. Pray for Coach. Pray for Miss Mary Margaret as, uh, as they remember and honor the life of his brother, um, Gary, today. So uh, yesterday I was talking to him, and of course, you know, as, as we do, uh, we serve meals and, and reach out and love people. And, you know, uh, someone in that family just said, uh, said, thank you for doing that. And, and I said, well, you know, you know how it is at Crosspoint. We glorify God by committing ourselves to God's people. And uh, so this is just one way that we, we love each other. And even in the midst of loss, as we're going to learn this morning, we have hope that doesn't disappoint. Because if we know Christ, the resurrection and the life, we have hope eternally. Amen. Acts chapter 8 is, uh, is where we will be this morning. Thank you so much for praying for, uh, for Lauren and I and helping us and supporting us as, uh, as I get ready to head, head to India. Thanks for praying for me the last two weeks. Um, I was down in Picayune doing kind of like a, a day-long evangelistic um, effort uh, at, a, at a local church. And then last week I was, I was preaching at a local church in, in this county. Next week I'll be right outside of Springfield, Missouri, preaching for, uh, for four days um, to, uh, for a church up there. And then October 9th, the Sunday before I leave, I'll be uh, preaching uh, at, a, at a church locally here. So, all right, Acts chapter 8 is where we've been the last three weeks. And in the life of, uh, of the church and the life of our lives together as, as a local church, there will be times where we walk through Scripture and we have learned truths from God's Word. Week by week, as we work through passages, as we discuss those passages, uh, in here, as we learn God's Word together, and then as we discuss in our small groups, there's going to be times where we just kind of stop just for a second and say, okay, what we've learned in this passage, how can we as a congregation put it into practice? And it's almost not like a how-to, but it's how can we equip each other to be able to live as they did in Acts, right? And so it seems real clear that in Acts chapter 8, the last few weeks, we've been learning that persecution can't stop the spread of the gospel, that God divinely puts his people, even in the midst of persecution, in places, he, you remember what was the idea the last three weeks, is that God scattered his people, even though persecution was coming, it wasn't Saul of Tarsus that was scattering, it wasn't uh, self-righteous priests and scribes and Pharisees that were scattering, who was in control today? It was the Lord. And the Lord was sovereignly putting his people, taking them out of Jerusalem, leaving some there, but taking them out so that what? They could start the gospel spread into Judea and to Samaria, and last week, even the beginnings of the ends of the earth. And what I love about this, I'm reminded of what Jesus said when he told his disciples, he said, on this rock, I'll build my church, speaking about who he is, He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is what he said. And the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. That gives us great hope. 
One of my friends uh, recently, I was reminded of what he said. I think we were in India together, and he said, you know what? It seems that in some places, the gates of hell are prevailing against what some might call the church. If we see the gates of hell prevailing, guess what? It's probably not his church. The gates of hell can fight against the church. The gates of hell can persecute the church. But as we've seen in Acts chapter 8, we start in Jerusalem in the midst of persecution. And by the end, guess what? The gospel's in Africa. The gospel's in Samaria. The gospel's in Judea, outside of Jerusalem. And this is a great thing. I just want to read a few passages this morning. And what we're going to discuss today and kind of apply the truths of Acts chapter 8, what we've been learning, we just want to talk this morning, how can we, how can you, how do we share the gospel? Because that is the theme of Acts chapter 8. Let's just look at a few verses throughout the chapter. Just read along with me. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. He entered house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Go down to verse 12. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Go down to verse 25. Verse 25, now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 35, verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And then the last verse of the chapter, verse 40. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Beginning of the chapter, middle of the chapter, end of the chapter. We find unknown Christians scattering the word. We find Philip telling the good news and preaching about the kingdom of God. We find the apostles in verse 25 as they return to Jerusalem preaching the gospel. And we find Philip telling the good news about Jesus from the Old Testament scriptures. And as he's, Justin walked us through last week, Philip's taken away in a supernatural way and he finds himself. And what does he do? He preaches the gospel until he gets back to Caesarea. This is, chapter is filled with sharing the gospel. Now, let's just be honest, as we think about how this applies to our life, I think all of us who claim to be Christian know that there should be something in our life, there should be an aspect of our life, we feel a responsibility with our life to share the gospel. But oftentimes, sharing the gospel is the most awkward thing in the world to us. And I think some of that is, is natural. One of, my, uh, one of my professors at Southeastern Seminary, he just says, listen, sharing the gospel to our flesh, it's awkward, and you know what? We might as well just get over it and just embrace it. It's going to be that way. But I've always found it, find it funny. Man, we'll be talking about football. We'll be talking about uh, what's going on in culture. Somebody may bring up politics. Somebody may, may talk about just something that's happening in the community, and we're chirping like birds, right? Then something spiritual comes up, and somebody hit the mute button, and it's like, what? Is this the same crowd? 
And in a lot of ways, that's true. But what do we find in the New Testament? We find these people sharing the gospel. So what we want to do this morning is, as we've studied Acts chapter 8, as we've learned from it, as we've seen how God spread his people, and then a couple weeks ago, a heart that doesn't really believe in Simon. And then last week, praise God, a heart that really does believe with the Ethiopian eunuch. In either situation, in all three circumstances, guess what? For all that stuff to happen, somebody had to open their mouth and share the gospel. So that's what we want to look at today. How do we share the gospel? How can I this morning equip you to share the gospel? And I guess we just need to go ahead and define, number one, what is the gospel? And I don't want to take too much time here, but I do want to define the gospel. And we, we find reference to the gospel in all those verses I read. We, we find the word, we find Christ, we find the kingdom of God in the name of Christ. Preaching the gospel in verse 25. The good news about Jesus in verse 35. Preach the gospel. And so there's references in this chapter as we've studied it the last three weeks, many references to the gospel. But what is the gospel? Now I ask permission to use this illustration this morning. Many of you, um, through the starting point process, and even if you've been a part of Crosspoint a long time ago, when you, when you join um, this body and membership, uh, you have a, a membership interview, and, and, and we sit down as pastors, and you know it's, it's casual, and we just get to know each other. But I, I'm always careful and always intentional when, when I'm uh, having a membership interview with someone to, to ask, like, what's the gospel? And so the person will not be named, um, who I was sitting with. His name's Braxton Rayburn, okay? And I asked his permission this morning. So, you know, I'm sitting down with, with Braxton, his wife, Jessica, and we're talking. And, and uh, so we, we get to the point, I just like, hey, hey, Braxton, like, just, just tell me the gospel. And for, you know, a lot of us, that might be formality, right? But, but here's the crucial part of it. If we can't define the gospel, how can we have confidence that we've truly believed it? And if we can't define the gospel, how in the world are we going to share it with somebody else? So Braxton's, you know, he, he reads a lot and he, uh, he listens to a lot of stuff. And so I'll, in my mind, I'm like, dude, this is going to like, this is a formality. Braxton, what's the gospel? Like 12 minutes later, he's like gone through like, like the forest of apologetics and philosophy. And he's quoting all these people. And, and I still don't know what the gospel is. So I just stop and it's like, time out. And I look at his wife, Jessica, and I say, Jessica, what's the gospel? And she goes, the gospel is, is that Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. And Jesus rose again, and Jesus is coming soon. And I look back at Braxton, and I was like, listen to your wife. <laughs> the gospel is so amazing. It's so simple, and yet it's so profound. It can be described succinctly, and yet for all eternity, what? We're still going to be basking in the glory of what our God did for us. In Christ. So, so what is the gospel? Pretty clear in this passage in chapter 8 that the gospel first is good news. And, and I didn't put a definite article here. You, you probably need to. It is, listen, the good news. Because there's no other news like this news. It is the good news. And you can see as the Christians were scattered in the first part of the chapter, as the apostles come down and pray that the Holy Spirit might come in, these new Samaritan believers to show the, the unity of the body as, as Justin walked us through a few weeks ago. This is an announcement. This is what you share. It's not just proclaimed from a pulpit, but it's, it's shared in the marketplace. 
And, and kind of understand the word itself. The Greek word literally means like good news. And you can go to your, put your Christmas mind on just a minute because probably after Halloween, right, we're just going to go ahead and hit Christmas. Is Christmas already started in September? Like, yeah? Are y'all really doing that at Laurel Mercantile? Really, Josh? Okay, all right. Um, think, put your Christmas cap on for a minute. Glad tidings, right? We think of that. We think of angels and shepherds. Listen, the gospel, that's what it is. It's glad tidings, it's, it's an announcement of something good, which presupposes that something's bad, right? We're, we're in our sin and our guilt and our shame, but there's an announcement of good news. And that's what the gospel is. It, it's, it's good news. But more specifically, as we look in Acts chapter 8, we find out real quick, the gospel is the good news of who Jesus is. That in the midst of our frustration of trying to save ourselves through our good works, we understand that we can't save ourselves. What are we going to do about our sin? Guess what? Glad tidings come, announces someone who can save us. Who is he? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like us, but he is not like us. He is a man, yes, but he is the God-man. He is the one who's come down from above. He's not a man propping himself up to be God. He is God become man. This is who he is. And so as the Christians went out and proclaimed the gospel, they told people who Jesus is. But the gospel is also the good news about what Jesus has done. And that's what they're announcing. And it's the conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch. What is the context? What, what is, what is the, the Ethiopian reading? He's reading Isaiah 53 about what the suffering servant would come do. He would what? Bear our iniquities. He would take on our sin. He would take our punishment. And so it's not just telling people who Jesus is. It's saying, listen, he did something unique that no one else could do. He died for sin. He took on God's wrath. He took the punishment that should be to us. But the gospel also is to be shared and believed. I mean, after all, if you have the only good news, and it's about someone who's unique and exclusive, and it's a message about someone that has done something that no one else has done, guess what? It's worth sharing. It's worth sharing. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's reminding, because that's important, and that's Many of you would say, hey, man, I know all this. Well, good, because the apostles continually reminded the church. We need to be reminded of the gospel because we're so apt to forget it. We're so apt to wake up tomorrow morning and think that our standing before God is based off what we do or don't do today. We're, we're, we think that possibly we could fall out of grace with God. No, we need to remind ourselves of the gospel, that it is what Jesus did that saves us and secures us. So Paul says this, he reminds them, and this is what he says, so whether it was me or the other apostles, we preach the gospel and you believe the gospel. And so the reason the gospel needs to be shared is that people need to believe. But people can only believe if the gospel's shared. How shall they believe on him whom they have not known? How shall he be known or he be known without someone preaching? And so this is what the gospel is. And let me just tell you, there's a lot of people that will exploit and prostitute and jack up that G word right there. And let me just tell you something. That word gospel doesn't need an adjective in front of it. 
It needs a definite article, the, because there's only one. It doesn't need prosperity in front of it. It doesn't need man-centered in front of it. It doesn't need beneficial in front of it. It doesn't need Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian in front of it. It just needs the gospel because in God's economy, there's only one. The gospel. That's it. And so having established that, let's, let's get practical here. How do we share that? Because you've been there. Maybe it's at a family reunion between uh, the second and third helping of banana pudding because I know I'm not the only one that does that. Maybe it's at a tailgate. Maybe it's at your job. Maybe you take a coworker out to eat. I don't know why all my illustrations end up like with a food. Anyway, it just happens. Um, for whatever reason, you find yourself in a situation and you start realizing in your mind, your heart, kind of your whole person real quick, like I need to open my mouth and I need to attempt talk about Jesus. And it's almost like you get like lifted out of yourself and you're like, oh, you ever been there? And you're like, there's, there's like a, there's like a drawing. And yet in your flesh, there's like a dread. And there's like, you want to do this. And yet it's like pulling you back a little bit. And sometimes what do we do? We open our mouth and we share. And other times we don't. And probably later on, we ask for forgiveness or just, you know, apologize to the Lord. Or, but, but this is the, the Christian life. We find ourselves in situations where we are immediately drawn in the moment to open our mouth and to testify of Christ. And so my question is, like, that's normal in the Christian life to have that? Like, you should have times during the week where you're compelled or, or moved or pushed to open your mouth or to, to, to share about Jesus? But what's awesome is in this chapter, there's several different ways that they did that. Now, let me, let, me, let me just clarify something real quick before we jump into this. We're told in Matthew 5, 16, that our works, we're supposed to let our light shine so that people could see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven, okay? So some people say, okay, you never need to open your mouth. Your works will point to the Lord. Well, if you look at that verse, there's two things going on. There's a life of good works, but how in the world do they know that you have a father in heaven unless you open your mouth and tell them about him, right? So check this out. Good works lay the foundation and give you the street cred, but ultimately faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So there comes a point we have to open our mouth. There's a, there's a, a quote attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and it says, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary, which he probably didn't say that because he was in charge of a preaching order. Like he oversaw a bunch of preachers. So it's not a question of, we surely don't want to be running our mouth and contradicting our words with our life, right? At the same token, a life gives us credibility to open our mouth, but... We should never just stop with our life. There comes a point where we have to open our mouth. And that's what the early Christians did in Acts chapter 8. I see at least four ways that they shared the gospel. I see at least four different ways that they shared the gospel. And by sharing, I meant they opened their mouth verbally. Now, I want you to see this. First, 
They shared Christ, or we can share Christ, through the gospel message. Now, what do I mean by that? Go to verse 4 of Acts chapter 8, verse 4. This is where we kind of see the different angles at it. Now, those who were scattered, remember, these are not apostles, right? These are just normal people like you and me. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Now, the word there in Greek is logos, and you could say that it's just really like the totality of the Christian message. And so what's happening here, Christians are going and they are sharing the facts, the truth about Jesus. And in some ways, I, I like how, how free that, that idea is because they're simply sharing who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And I love this because they're not reciting like a canned used car salesman speech. If you sell cars and you sell used cars and you do it that way, awesome. But what I'm saying is we are not called to recite things robotically. We are not called to like sell something to someone else. We're simply called to bear witness to who he is and what he's done. And so this is, like, we don't even know who they were. Like, this is how, like, just overview, like, like zoomed out Lucas. He's like, these people, unknown, went about, but they were preaching, and they were sharing, and they were proclaiming the word, the totality of the message about Christ. And so what does this mean for you and me? There'll be times in our life when we share the gospel, and what are we sharing? And however way we package it, we're faithfully communicating who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That's what we're doing. And guess what? It's just kind of good to think through it. Sometimes you're going to have two or three minutes to share. Sometimes you may have 10 minutes. Sometimes you may have three hours. And so a good exercise of Christian discipline is to think through, man, if I get 30 seconds to open my mouth and share about Jesus, like what would I say? If I have five minutes to open my mouth and share about Jesus, what do I say? This was really cool. So in, in January, I was in North Carolina for two weeks of seminars. And right before I had left, we had, uh, we had prayed for, for uh, it was either right before I left or it was the week I was up there because uh, we were talking about gospel reach. Like, like we prayed for the country of Yemen. Okay, we, like, we prayed for Yemen. And so I grabbed an Uber when I was headed to the airport to fly back home. And I started talking to my driver and uh, we've been talking about a lot of stuff and, and like 10 minutes in the conversation, guess where he's from? Randomly. He's from Yemen. I was like, this is the only person I've ever met from Yemen in my life. We just prayed for Yemen last week. Like, you know, this isn't like coincidence, like God's up to something. Well, I was, I was just, I start, I tried to start sharing with him, but I really only had like, we were getting close to the airport. So I really had like, you know, like five or six minutes. So guess what I had to do? In my mind, I had to say, okay, what, can I just, how can I communicate who Jesus is and what Jesus has done to this guy in like five or six minutes? And, and guys, the point is not necessarily whether you get it all in. The point is, in whatever time you have, did you tell people who Jesus is? And have you told him what he's done? And, and that's what we find them doing here. And so there's going to be opportunities where, guess what? You can share who Jesus is and what he's done. There's another way 
that I think is really important, especially in this day and age. Go to the very next verse. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. I touched on this uh, a few weeks back, but I think it's interesting there that he's proclaiming to them the Christ. I talked about this. Justin talked about this. We talked about, you remember, the Samaritans. If you weren't here, a little recap. The Samaritans had an idea in their mind about Messiah, but it wasn't correct. It wasn't lined up or synced up with Scripture. It was as if they had took concept of Messiah and they had put their own Samaritan spin on it. And so guess what? What they were putting their hope in really wasn't Messiah. And if you remember in John 4, when Jesus has the conversation with the woman at the well, she starts asking these questions. And it ends up with Jesus saying, hey, I'm Messiah. And so sometimes, check this out, you're going to find yourself, secondly, sharing Christ through gospel, what I'm going to call gospel clarity. Where someone has a concept of Savior or even Jesus but it's not the Jesus of Scripture. And so guess what? Patiently and compassionately, guess what you're doing? You're clarifying who Jesus is, and you're clarifying what Jesus has done. We find ourselves in that situation a lot, right? I mean, for instance, somebody may come on our door, and it's the Jehovah Witnesses. And you know what? They believe Jesus got created. Well, guess what? It needs to be gospel clarity. Some of us may have friends that, that, that are Mormons, or we may have uh, uh, someone in our life, that uh, a, a Muslim friend. And guess what? They have concepts of Jesus, but it's not clear, and it's not true. And so guess what? In our conversations, you know what we're doing? We're clarifying who Jesus is. Jesus isn't created. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is not one among many. He himself said that no one comes to the Father except through him. And sometimes in our conversations, just as Philip did, he goes with the Samaritans, he's like, you got a concept of Messiah, but, but let me tell you who he really is. And this takes humility because oftentimes these conversations, personal experience, I'm raising my hand. They can end in arguments and they can divide and they can build walls. But, I don't have this on the screen. Let, let, me, let me just bring out also to you, there's an aspect of clarity. You remember the story? Two weeks ago, Simon Magus, quote, believes, but he's not really a believer. And he wants to kind of buy the ability to, for the Holy Spirit to come on people. And you remember in verse 21, or verse 20, Peter said, may your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. And all of us, you know, I think when people read that, they think that like, you know, fire and brimstone were coming out of Peter's ears when he said that, you know? But, but check this out. How, how loving is that on Peter's behalf? To basically tell this dude, hey man, let me just clarify something to you. You don't know him. Can I just tell you this? You may have opportunities to share the gospel and with deep humility, but with deep compassion, you may have to look at someone and say, listen, man, I love you, but I'm concerned about you because your life doesn't match your profession. 
And in Mississippi, check this out. In Jones County, there are tons of people that have walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, got baptized, got sprinkled, got dipped, got confirmed, and yet their life has never been changed by the gospel. And so you know what? Sometimes there needs to be gospel clarity where our sharing of the gospel is to somebody that needs to be confronted by the truth of the gospel. So there's gospel clarity. But I love this in chapter 8, verse 35, how Luke writes it. Sometimes we share the gospel through gospel scriptures. And beginning with this scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Sometimes we get the awesome opportunity to open the Bible or quote scripture to be able to share the gospel. And again, it's amazing because we find ourselves in so many situations. We may find ourselves among somebody who thinks they have sinned too much and they've gone too far and God can't love them. And you know what? We can open up the Word. We can open up our Bible app and we can take them to Romans chapter 5 and you, and you can say, but God demonstrates His love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And guess what that is? That is a jump off through Scripture to share about Jesus. Though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. The Lord draws near to the brokenhearted. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And can I encourage you? Like whether you got to, you know, storm up in a note on your phone, take a screenshot of them so you got to save it. I have to do that. Like I have to screenshot stuff and then I have to save it like in my camera roll as like a favorite. So I can just access it right there, right? So I'm one of those people who got 10,000 photos of my phone that I've never deleted, Right? I'm on the only one. Okay, here's what you have to do. Look, whatever you have on you, because I know you have your phone on you, like, like quick access to gospel scripture. And guess what? Be working towards putting that quick access in your head and then quick access in your heart. I can't tell you the times that the verses in scripture that I've committed to memory, how just in like the moment of sharing the gospel, like, Man, the Holy Spirit's just like boom, 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 boom. And he's really patient because I just need like one at a time or I'll forget where I'm headed, right? So it's like share this scripture and boom, another one comes. Share that scripture, boom, another one comes. And it's just like, like that's how the Lord works. Peter or Philip here shared through gospel scriptures. Next week, we're going to get in Acts chapter 9 and probably one of the most explosive things that happens in Acts, a terrorist named Saul of Tarsus, a, a religious terrorist named Saul of Tarsus gets saved. The same dude that's causing persecution, he gets born again. And you know what you find? You have the account in Acts chapter 9. But in Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26, you have Paul recounting and telling someone else what happened in Acts chapter 9. And so that's what I would tell you. This is uh, another way that we share the gospel. We share Christ through your gospel or our gospel story. So we can share Christ through the message. This is who he is. This is what he's done. We can share Christ by clarifying who he is. We can share Christ through Scripture. But man, a great way is this is what he's done for me. 
Jesus looked at a guy that he had healed and he said, go home and tell everybody <laughs> what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Can I just tell you this? All of our stories, all of our salvation stories are different. They are. But in reality, they're all the same. And what I mean by that is, just like we were born physically in different places, different times, we, we weighed more or less, we were longer or shorter, some of us had no hair, some of us came out with all the hair in the world, some of us came out, our mom was in labor real quick, some of it was stretched out over a few days, I'm sorry. Um, but what happened? The same thing happened, right? Wasn't like the birthing process was different, right? So here, here's the thing. Some of us were saved later in life. Some of us were saved as children. Some of us were saved as teenagers. And some of us, like it was just like a light came on. Some of us, over a course of months, we questioned anything and everything. And at the end of that, but check this out. The same thing happened. And what was that? We realized that we were in need of a Savior. And we realized that Jesus was the only one who could save us, and we turned to him. And that's what your gospel story is. When, when Paul shared his gospel story, he really had like three things. He, he had like BC, like this is who I was before Christ. <laughs> this is what happened to me when I got saved, and this is what my life's been like since. And that's, that's really how we share our gospel story. This is who I was, and this is what he did, and this is who I am now, and he alone gets the credit for it. Now, can I just... <laughs> You've probably sat in one of those events before where the guy stands up and like 50 minutes later, you know, everybody that he ever snorted a line of cocaine with, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you, you know what I'm talking about? You ever sat through those things? Like, you know, every bar that he got like beat up in. And then at the end, he's like, and Jesus saved me. Woo! I'm like, dude, no, tell me more. Don't tell more about what sin did to you than what Jesus did for you. There is a part of us being able to share about, man, this is who I was, and this is how, but, but like, but the point of sharing our story is not to talk about us, it's to talk about Christ. Amen? So this is the different ways we see we share the gospel. Now, I, I do want to point, go back to the part of Philip and the Ethiopian. And, and I, want, I want you to see a few lessons and this is going to be a little different. I know we preached this passage last week. Justin hammered the narrative part of it. Justin hammered the, the, the spiritual principles of it. But I just want you to see you some, some practical stuff before we close this morning. I, I want you to see in the encounter some real practical helps. Okay? Now, Philip's doing his own thing, right? Like revival in Samaria. This is awesome. People are getting saved. Holy Spirit's falling on people. There's signs and wonders. In the midst of that, there's a guy that gets called out because he's trying to buy salvation and buy spiritual power. And then in verse 26, an angel of the Lord says, hey, Philip, go to this place. And as Justin brought it out to you last week, looks, looks like really funny. He goes, this is a desert place. So leave where all the action is and go out into the boondocks. What's the text say? And he rose and went. <laughs> he arose and went. And you find Philip going there and he sees the caravan come along and then the Spirit speaks again. The Spirit says, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. That's awkward, isn't it? 
This guy, you know, may have had security guards and is he going to get tased in the process and run up to the, like what's going to happen there, right? Principle number one that we learn right here is, is that Philip listened to the Spirit. Philip listened to the Spirit. You can call it your spiritual radar. Back in the 80s, you could call it like your spiritual rabbit ears, right? For the television. We might could say that now we, we turn our spiritual Wi-Fi on. However you want to describe it. It is spiritual sensitivity to know that God is at work all around me. It is a sensitivity to know that as the Father sent Christ, so I have been sent. And if I really believe that, throughout the day, throughout the week, I got to believe that God is going to, as one of his people, be bringing me in and out of situations where he wants me to share the gospel. And that's what you see with Philip. Even in the midst of like all this stuff's going on. Philip, go here. This is a desert place. Okay. I'm out here. Go join that chariot. Okay. And I'm be honest, like I may have batted 500 in the situation. I tend to think that I like I would have struck out both times. Like, Lord, that's a desert place. Let's be pragmatist. Lord, I'm not running over and joining that complete stranger. Can I just tell you this? <laughs> that the Holy Spirit, like, like sometimes I, I don't want to, I, I want to be very respectful towards the third person of the Trinity. But like sometimes, like, he just loves to put you in awkward situations. Amen? You ever been in a situation where like, this is from the Spirit, this is extremely awkward. You're God, I'm not, right? Let's let's make the best of it. I think sometimes he does that to cause us to die to our die to ourselves. Yeah, thanks. Isaiah 55, right? His ways are not our ways. I think sometimes he does that so that we will be completely dependent upon him. I think sometimes he does that so that we will love the praise of men rather than the or the praise of God rather than the praise of men, right? And I think he does that so at the end we look back and we're like, yeah, you did that through me, but that wasn't me. You get all the glory for it but he listened to the Spirit. This is just simply a call to, to, to say that, that we're responsible for being spiritually sensitive. Sometimes our attitude dulls our connectivity to the Spirit. Our selfishness dulls our ears to listen to Him. And possibly in the morning when we wake up, we can <laughs> say, Spirit, I want to be sensitive to you today. So he listened. But I like this too. He listened in the situation. Philip, see, see the, 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 the command was go over and join this chariot. It was not go over and preach to this chariot. So verse 30 says that he ran to, the, ran to him and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And then he asked. So he didn't like barge up in the situation like running his mouth. That would be what Johnson does. Leading with the mouth. Philip led with his ears. Everyone should be slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick to listen. I think this is really good. Oftentimes, God will allow us to hear things so that we will then be able to know what to say. Right? So it's not just like listening vertically. It's listening horizontally. Okay, 
I feel compelled in this situation to possibly to, to open my mouth, to, to, to encourage, to share Christ. But like, how do I do that? And there's been times that I've just been like looking at somebody and I'm really like listening to what they say, but I'm almost like tuned out because of my mind. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I have no idea what to say. I'm in this situation. You put me here, but I'm like clueless. Help me. And guess what? You start, you, you listen. And as you listen, and as you hear more, and as you hear more, guess what? It's almost like the road opens up and you're like, okay, this is what I need to say. So you listen. You listen. But he also, he, he asked a question. After he listened, he said, do you understand what you're reading? How many times do our, our conversations start with like non-questions? I just, I just like, Jesus asked questions, didn't he? So like, here's a good one. When you're at Waffle House and you're watching your server get chewed out by somebody on the other side, and they come to you. How's your day going? Like you already know the answer to it. Hey, we're about to pray for our food. Can we pray for you? Something we can pray for you about? Like I asked that at a restaurant a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, basically the lady was like, that, that my finances keep coming in because I got bills. Sometimes you, my grandmother's sick. Sometimes it's just like, Thanks, because my life's not good. And guess what? You can ask another question. You can ask another question. Sometimes we can ask questions even to maybe strangers. You go to church? You ever think about spiritual things? You can just be in a conversation you can hear somebody talking. So you ask a question, maybe not a spiritual question, but the response allows you to then ask another spiritual question. Maybe you invite someone to, to cross point with you on Sunday morning and maybe the text on Monday is, hey, what'd you think about yesterday? Anything resonate? And guess what? You're asking those questions so that then you can be able to share. Because this is a great question. Do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> Did you understand what they talked about yesterday? Maybe give them something to read. Hey, let's read this together. Do you understand? Ask a question. Have you ever heard of Jesus? Or maybe this one to somebody that you've known for quite some time. Can I share with you what's most important to me? Fourth, Philip saw the open door and he took the opportunity. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. I mean, it's go time. Let's go. Here it is. I mean, really, in a desert place, you've been sent there, and this dude's reading the book of Isaiah. I mean, tee it up, let it fly. Here it is. I think if we were a little more sensitive, perhaps we might find a lot more teed up golf balls throughout our week. They're just waiting, just waiting for, for just gospel truth to, to come forth. Now, if this happened to me, let me just tell you how I think. If, if, if you know, the Spirit led me, and I listened to the situation and, and you know, I, I kind of perceived where to go and I was trying to, I was talking to this person and then I shared the gospel. Dude, I'd get back in my truck later on and I'd like crank some Christian music and it'd be like joy of the Lord, like throw down in the car, like everything's awesome. And guess what? For the rest of the day, I ain't sharing with nobody because I already shared here. Right? 
Or when the next opportunity comes, man, you know what? I already did that this morning. It's, what do we find Philip doing? But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns <laughs> until he came to Caesarea. And let me just tell you this. There is a joy that comes from sharing the gospel that cannot come from anything else. And when you share the gospel, guess what? Look for the next opportunity. Not, not fake, not plastic, not pre-recorded. Man, there's nothing like it in the world. When we share and on these Sundays try to equip you, what we want to do in the future is to kind of help you, direct you, say, what are some good resources that you maybe can take and learn deeper? And so this morning, I'm going to have them out on, on the table out there just for you to glance at. This is a book, and I like the title of it. This is one of my professors at Southeastern. The name of it is Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. Great title. And what he says in this book, he's like, listen, every, you have in your possession right now everything you need to share the gospel. If you're a Christian, guess what? You believe the gospel. You have a gospel story. You have a Bible. And you, you have everything you need. Like, you don't have to like, wait to like, you know, get some certificate on your wall that says, I can now share the gospel. Like, if you're a Christian, you have everything you need. And what I love about this book, he says this later on. He says, every gospel conversation we have, the goal of it is not that we shouldn't view the goal as like the end of it. Like if this person doesn't believe, I failed. No, what I love what Dr. Hildreth says in this book, he says, listen, every gospel conversation, your goal should just be, I've done something that in God's grace can bring them one step closer to believing in Jesus. So the, the pressure's off me. I'm just the mailman. I'm just passing it on. I'm not, I'm not trying to like put notches in my belt. I'm just faithfully testifying. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Good book. Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. This is a PDF, so I printed it out. This is by David Platt, and it's called Gospel Threads. And this is a free download. So his uh, website, radical.net, if you just type in Gospel Threads, like you can download this PDF for, for free. And, and what I love about this PDF is that what he's, what he's doing is he's basically saying, like in every gospel conversation, we, we need to, to bring up several things. Who God is, who we are. Jesus is sufficient. Faith is necessary. Eternity's urgent. Eternity's coming. This is something that is free. This, this one costs, I know, but it's not expensive. This one's free. One, one more, that, and we're putting these before you just to give you some, some resources. Uh, this was my professor this summer, and I loved it. He's British, and his name's Dr. Strange. So there you go. That's all you need, right? Um, Dan Strange, what I love about this book is called Making Faith Magnetic. And what he basically says is in our, in our culture, there's just these underlining questions that everybody thinks. Like, where did I come from? Like, I have guilt in my life. I need to be delivered. Uh, I, I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And it's basically taking some underlining assumptions in everybody's experience and basically using that to be able to share Christ. Good stuff. How I want us to close this morning. I'll have these at the back. If you need to take a picture or, uh, or got a question about how to get them, we'll set them back there so you can, you can see them. You should be able to find them on Amazon. 
just flip it over, scan the, uh, the barcode, and it should pull up fine. I just wanted to find real quick what, what Platt says in Gospel Threads, and I want you to write these down because this week at Small Group, you will, um, you'll, you'll discuss these. So, Paul, if you would, just put up these, what he calls five Gospel Threads. And, and I, I put these before you to help you to understand that when you share the Gospel and when you talk about who Jesus is and what he's done and how he's changed your life, you need to, to work towards, what I mean work towards, as you think about like, like, like how do I share the gospel? Like, like these are five threads that will inevitably be woven into your understanding of the gospel and ultimately how you share it. Again, these aren't like ping, ping, ping. I didn't do the fourth one. I didn't share the gospel. Not, no. But these are like necessities. And he calls them threads. But it's kind of the idea of being woven or sewn together to proclaim the gospel. The first is the character of God. I just mentioned these. Let me define them. The character of God. God's not, a, God's not like a cosmic unicorn galloping through the universe. God's holy. God's righteous. God's just. Is he merciful? Yes. Is he gracious? Yes. But God is holy. The song in heaven that we just sang a few minutes ago, what is it? Holy is the Lord, Right? God's holy. Thread two, we're not. We're sinful. We're the antonym of God. Everything that God is, we're, we're not. We were created in his image, but we have deviated and gone off track, and we're in need of a savior. People try to save themselves. People try to do good works. But what does the gospel tell us? That only Christ is sufficient to save us. This is Jesus and Jesus only. So as we... Share with other people. Guess what we're, we're pumping? We're not saying Jesus plus something or something plus Jesus. We're saying Jesus only. And the reason we share the gospel is because people must believe the gospel. They must show faith. They must exercise faith. They must repent and believe. And so guess what we do as we share? And this is what we pray for. And this is what we share is that God tells us to turn from our sin and to believe Christ. It's not an option. It's it's a necessity. And then, why do we do this? Because Scripture teaches us that eternity is real. And God's not a cosmic jerk by separating people from Him from all eternity. He's a good king that we've wronged, that we've rebelled. Hell's a righteous punishment against a holy, eternal God. But you know what? God has not shut himself up in heaven and not told us the way that we can be reconciled with him. He came down and he lived a perfect life and died in our place and, and was buried and rose again. And now he says, hey, you don't have to die for your sin. My son did. And this is an urgency because we only got 70 or 80 years. One guy's written a book and this is what he said. You know, the only thing we can't do in heaven, the only thing we won't do in heaven is share the gospel with unbelievers. <laughs> right? So right now, we have that opportunity. I hope this has helped you today. And let me just encourage you as we close. Sometimes in our life, we have no idea what we're facing, why we're facing, why we're walking through what we're walking through, but, but God does. So this is probably seven years ago. We're in the Himalayas and kind of picked a place to go. And, you know, sometimes you, you pick a place on a map. Um, you really don't know what you're going to find there because... You hadn't been there before, and so you just start at, you know, five, 6,000 feet, pick a trail up, because you know there'll be villages along the way. Well, 
we, we had been going hiking. We were about at 8,000 feet. I was like inhaling oxygen at a pretty rapid pace. And we hadn't really found any houses. We found a few, but not, not like, not, you know, not, not big villages that you usually find when we'll take these trips. It was like you know, day two, we camped and just kind of wondering, are we wasting this week? Because we can't really find people. So mid-morning, mid day three, we're walking and we see kind of the path level out because we're on the side of a mountain. It kind of levels out and there's some terraces. So maybe there's some houses here. And we, uh, some of our, our guys with us stopped and we said, hey, a couple of us will walk up here and just kind of check out the lay of the land. So we, we went over this little knoll and we look and there's just like these few like houses. So we're like, that's cool people. So we come around and then it, it, it's a huge crowd of people. Like normally, you know, and we find five or 10 people in one spot, there's like 40 or 50 people. We're in North India, in the Himalayas. We're about at 7,000 feet at this point, like in the back of the boondocks. And so we're just like, what's going on? So we start talking to the people, and what's happened is this grandmother had passed away. And she had a lot of kids and a lot of grandkids. And so people had come like from major cities all across the country and had taken a bus and had walked up the side of the mountain to come back and mourn the passing of grandmother. It was crazy. It's like, wow, so this is why we're here. This is why we've been walking and not seeing anybody for a couple days. This is why we're at 7,500 feet. Because, Lord, in your sovereignty, you have assembled 40 or 50 people from all over the country to be at this one spot in the middle of the woods on the side of a mountain because you wanted them to hear and we were able that day just to talk about, I am the resurrection and the life. And to share Christ. Was there like spiritual dynamite that day? Did everybody repent and believe? No. That wasn't my job. Some of you, you're going to find yourself in situations where you're the first person to lay the seed. Some of you are going to find yourself where somebody's sown and you're there to water. Some of you are going to find yourself in this situation where you're the one that you share with and they look and they say, yes, I need Christ. Oftentimes I kind of find myself as like not sowing, watering, or harvesting. Like I'm the first one to ever touch the soil. Like I'm tilling it, you know? Some of us find ourselves there. And all you need to realize in that situation is all God asks you to do, he doesn't ask you to be successful. He asks you to be faithful. And so if you leave a conversation or you leave an experience, man, you were faithful to share the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done, guess what? In God's sovereignty and God's power, God will use that testimony and that witness and that conversation to bring that person one step closer to believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We need to be known as a church that shares the gospel. And can I just, I guess, publicly apologize? Some of you I may have known for a long time and Maybe you've never heard me share the gospel with you. I'm sorry. I like those conversations when you share and they're like, yeah, man, you, you told me about this before. Awesome. Who, who in our lives needs to hear? Can we pray for them? Can we love them? And can maybe even this week we start opening our mouth, tell them who Jesus is and what he's done.
Let's pray. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that you came down and Lord Jesus, and you opened your mouth and you shared the gospel with us. Thank you for parents that opened their mouth and shared the gospel with me. God, I thank you for pastors and friends and evangelists and Sunday school teachers and who opened their mouth and shared the gospel with me. God, I thank you for many of us. We can remember someone who came along and opened their mouth and shared the gospel to us. So Lord, I pray we can love our friends and our family and our neighbors in the way that you've loved us. Not with guilt, Lord, not with shame, not with just something that would beat us up because that's not you. But Lord, through strong grace, I pray you would burden us for people that don't know you and you would give us a, the right kind of urgency to be able to share, to be able to see the situations, to be able to listen, to be able to love people by opening our mouth to share. I pray, God, you would make us a church that shares the gospel, not just on Sunday morning, but as you scatter us through the week. So Lord, even now, maybe faces and names come to our mind. God, would you save those people as you use us to share the gospel? Church, this morning as we sit before the Lord, it's really a case of obedience and love. Maybe you just feel inadequate. That's good. Maybe you just feel powerless. That's good. Maybe you can just look to the Lord and say, Lord, I am inadequate for this task, but I want to share with others what you've done for me. Ask him this morning to equip you, fill you with the spirit afresh, to, to help you, to give you boldness, to give you grace and compassion for other people. If you don't know Christ this morning, please come talk to one of us. Please come grab us. We'd love to open the Bible and show you, beginning at the scripture to tell you the good news about Jesus. Some of you this morning, you know the gospel. You just need to repent and believe. I'll be at the back. Justin will be at the back if you need us as we sing. Maybe you just need to spend this response time just praying, praying for somebody, praying for boldness praying for compassion. Jesus is worth it. Let's stand. As we stand, I'll pray over us and then we'll sing. Lord, work your word in our hearts. Make us a people that show our, our faith in the gospel, our faith in Christ through how we live our life. I pray that for me, Lord. As Justin said last week, I pray my life wouldn't muddy a picture of Christ. It would clarify a picture of Christ. To others around. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel, lead us.